Welcome to Old Walls House. It's your main man and host, Old Walls, back with you once again. We got a fun show coming your way again this week. We have a, a big Super Bowl to talk about, a really fun waste management Phoenix Open, or I guess just the WM Phoenix Open. Got a couple of fights to talk about, uh, Flyers update, and some Olympic hockey. Also uh, going to get my passing thoughts, per the usual. So before we do that, let's just touch on that housekeeping we all love. Thank you, everybody, for coming back again. And if I could just ask, as always, please rate, review, comment, subscribe, share, spread the word if you, if you think it's worth your time. And uh, just if you could do that, that's awesome and very helpful for me. Also, the T-shirt order is in. I will send them out as soon as I get them. I think I'm supposed to get them maybe end of this week or into next week. But hopefully it won't be much longer. And then hopefully down the road we'll hopefully be able to do more apparel. So I appreciate you guys who grabbed one of those. Really appreciate everything you guys do and the listening and the sharing and, and feedback. So thank you so much. And without too much further ado, let's get to it. Hey, everybody. It's MJ with another edition of 60 Seconds with MJ on Old Walls House. Old Walls, I know you're going to talk a lot about the golf tournament and the Super Bowl and everything, but I'm going to stay right there on the Super Bowl. There's lots of good sports, but um, I first got to talk about the game a little bit. Um, found myself cheering back and forth. I know I said Bengals by a 1,000. I was a little wrong on that, just a little cheering for Joey B, but I caught myself a little bit cheering for Stafford and the Rams kind of, I just wanted a good game, I guess, but Stafford's easy to cheer for. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way. Maybe you'll talk about that a little bit, but, um, I did find myself, but the big one for me and hopefully some listeners out there, that Super Bowl halftime show, I had a glorious time watching Dr. Dre, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Snoop Dogg, everybody getting after it, but 50 Cent looking like a dollar sign. Had to be the highlight of the evening. MJ gone. Have fun. No surprise there. MJ with his finger on the pulse of where I'm going today. So let's just go right with it. Right what he was talking about the most. The Super Bowl. I do have to agree with him. I went in rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals. But I'm not super upset that the Rams won. And like he said, Stafford's kind of an easy guy to root for. As a guy who's had Stafford on many, many fantasy football teams throughout the year. I've kind of been partial to him over the years. So, like like MJ said, I'm happy to see him win. Didn't hate seeing the Rams win. Would have preferred the Bengals, but it was a good game, fun game. I had a good time watching it. So, Super Bowl 56, your NFL champions are the Los Angeles Rams. And I thought it was just another great game and a great playoffs we've had so far this year. And... I'm going to miss football. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to miss football. This next weekend is always a weekend of you're like, what the heck do I do? So, football, I love you. I can't wait to see you back next year. But we had a great Super Bowl. And like I said, the Rams are your Super Bowl champs. Fun game. The Bengals came out, got a stop to open up the game. And... Right away, the Bengals showed that they were there to play. They were there to win the game. They went for it on fourth and one right on that first drive at about midfield. They didn't get it. Burrow kind of looked like he locked in on uh, Chase a little bit. 
And P. Ryan actually made a drug the, the middle linebacker over into the play, but they didn't get it. But I think it proved that they were there to play. They weren't scared of the stage. They were going to do what got them there. So I, I loved it. The Rams' second drive, they end up scoring right away. Six plays, 50 yards, capped off with Stafford finding Beckham in the end zone for the first score of the game. Beckham had a, was off to a great start. Bengals answer back with a field goal, and this is where I, I, I kind of noticed that they just really couldn't cover Beckham. They go, the Rams come back, fast drive this time. Six plays, 75 yards, just over two minutes and 30 seconds in time of possession. And at 14-17 left in the second quarter, OBJ picked up 35 yards, and I just made a little note, the Bengals can't cover him. Poor man Eli Apple happened to be on him. Eli's going to take his uh, his beatings today, and, and not just for me. Again, I feel bad for the guy. I feel like I'm picking on him, and I only really remember his name because his name sounds a lot like a friend of mine. So poor Eli Apple was trying to cover OBJ there when the, uh, the Rams scored that second touchdown. The Bengals finally on the board get a, uh, a touchdown. They go 12 plays and a little over seven minutes off the clock with a little trickery at the end. Joe Mixon finds T. Higgins in the back of the end zone on a little running back pass, and now we got ourselves a ball game. Uh, Stafford ends up throwing a pick, and they swap some punts to end the half, but the big one was uh, OBJ got hurt on the drive where Stafford threw the pick. I believe there was about 350 left in the half. He just planted into the ground wrong, and, and you could see on the replay that something in the knee just just buckled up and just wasn't working right. And I believe the reports are now that it's a torn ACL. You kind of had to wonder that the way OBJ reacted and kind of he was crying, and I can understand that the guy's kind of been through a lot this year, gets out of Cleveland and, and gets on a winner, and then he's in the Super Bowl playing awesome in the playoffs and then in this Super Bowl too and, and gets hurt in the first half. So it was uh, – it was, it was kind of sad to see, but that's football for you. And uh, coming out of the second half, the Bengals came out firing. T. Higgins from Joey B. They went deep. And T. Higgins ends up, uh, you know, might have been a little past interference. They're ripping at uh, Ramsey's face mask. So they the rest weren't calling much early. And they let that one go. And T. Higgins went 75 yards to the house to... Get the uh, the lead for the, the Bengals, I believe, at that time. Very next play. Very next play. We'll kick off, and then the very first play of the Rams drive. Stafford gets picked again. I, I, I'm going to butcher this name. Skoranek uh, was the intended target. He bobbled it a little bit. He should have caught that ball and just couldn't hang on to it, and it bounced right into a Bengals hand. So the, I thought this was going to be the point where the game was really going to turn for the Bengals. They looked like they were coming out, guns a-blazing, you know, going deep, but just couldn't couldn't get anything going with it. Uh, ended up getting just a field goal there. But again, they were. it was fourth and one. There was 13-30 left in the game, and they decided to go for it from their own. I think they were on their own, like, 20. They're on the Rams, 24, 25, that range. Um, they ended up getting it. Burrow scrambled and picked it up. And, I mean, if that was me, I'm just kicking the field goal. That would have, you know, extended the lead for them to uh, 20 to 13 at the time. I love the aggressiveness by the Bengals saying we're here to win. We're not here to lay up. 
Turns out it didn't really matter much. They had, Burrow ends up getting sacked on third down. Actually, I think was a little bit behind where the where they got to from on the fourth down. So uh, all came back, and they end up kicking the field goal. Boomer apparently too likes the aggressiveness. He's going to let you know about that. So coming back from the Bengals field goal, they're up twenty to thirteen. The Rams start moving the ball again. Not just going to you know give up, lay down. They're moving the ball very nicely. And one of the few times that Stafford and Cooper Cup weren't able to connect was on that third and five right before the the Rams ended up kicking a field goal to make it 2016. And like I said, few times that they were not able to connect when they were looking for it and they needed it. Uh, For the next seven possessions, we had punts. Four for Cincinnati and three for LA. The most plays in that stretch by any team the Bengals had seven plays at one point. They also had five and then two and three, two three and outs. The Rams had three three and outs through that whole stretch. So kind of a, a dull part of that the game there. And then it gets to the, the big drive by the, the Rams, the, the game-winning drive. So, <clears throat> but right before that, Tyler Boyd actually, and I shouldn't skip over this at all because this is a crucial moment. The last Bengals drive there before the Rams end up scoring the touchdown. There's a third down, about 6.20 left in the game. Tyler Boyd drops the pass. He may not even have gotten the first down. We do need to be fair there. He was right around the first down marker and dropped the pass. I think it was third and six-ish, something like that. First drop of the entire year. He was a little short of the line, I think, but he could have fought for it and got it. And hey, maybe if it's, you know, fourth and one, fourth and really short, they can go for it. They were at their own 40, I believe, that range. So just a, just a crucial spot to have a drop. And, and that's just the kind of stuff you got to do to win games. You got to pick up that third down in that situation. Keep the clock rolling. Extend the game for your guys. Extend the, uh, the possession for you guys so you can shorten the game up. So just, just a hard one to see that drop of Tyler Boyd, a veteran. Like I said, no drops all year. And that's his only one that's going to be recorded. So after that, the Rams get the ball back, and here they come. 15 plays, 79 yards. That ends up leading to the game-winning touchdown. You know, Cooper Cup was huge on this drive. It all started. There was a fourth and one. They were on their own 30, and they run a little end around for Cup. He ends up picking up, I think, six or seven yards on fourth and one. There was about five minutes left in the game at that point, I believe. And, you know, that end around's a ballsy play call because if it works, you get the you get the first down and you keep going. If it doesn't, man, that's a tough one. You almost look like you're trying to outthink yourself and, you know, you're getting a little too fancy. So it works. So, hey. In the, in the record books, it's all good. But, man, that's a ballsy call because if it doesn't work, McVay was going to get skewered today probably. So, again, it, it keeps with the theme of both these teams. They were aggressive all game. When they had fourth and ones and fourth and shorts, they went for it, and they went for it in the ways they do. And, you know, an end around for the Rams and Sean McVay, that's that's right in their playbook. So they went with what they – they came with what they know. You got to come with what you know sometimes, and, and they did it. And – Coming with what they know was Cooper Cup. Because after that, Cooper Cup picked up an 8-yard gain, a 22-yard gain, and then another 8-yard gain to set him up down on the 8. And that's where we uh, we run into a little bit of controversy in this game. 
third and goal from the eight-yard line, and Stafford was looking to complete a pass over the middle to Cup, and Wilson from the Bengals gets in and breaks it up. Logan Wilson, number 55 for the Bengals, breaks it up. You think you're going to see fourth and fourth and goal, but no. In comes the flags. They called defensive pass interference, and I just I didn't see it, man. I just didn't think it was the right call. I was really rooting hard for the Bengals at the time, so maybe I'm biased, but I I thought it was I thought it was pretty clean. And like I said earlier, they hadn't really called anything all game, and I was just disappointed to see that get called because I thought he made a good play. There was a little bit of contact, but I didn't think nearly enough to to make that call. And I know you don't want to say in that situation, but hey, I mean. In that situation, I thought that was a pretty clean play, and that's a tough call for the for the refs to get in there and be like, "This is this is the time we got to call that." So I thought it was clean. I'm disappointed to see it the way that went down. Um, kind of messy from there out. There were some double penalties uh, that nullified one Cooper Cup touchdown, a holding call, and then an unnecessary roughness hit. And I think that was kind of helmet to helmet style. Um, so offsetting, they they restart. And then there was a uh, pass interference on my man Eli Apple. He pretty much tackled him, but in that situation, you might as well. If 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 you know he's going to score and you can stop it some way or another and make him do it again, you might as well. Uh, they tried to sneak it into the end zone with Matt Stafford again, and that didn't go well. So maybe next year let's let's just not sneak it if you're the LA Rams because they don't seem to work out too well. So maybe find an alternate play call for those situations. And then finally, after all of that, Matt Stafford finds, but who else? Cooper Cup in the end zone, covered by, you guessed it, Eli Apple. And that gives the Los Angeles Rams the lead, 23-20. to Turns out that will be the game-winning play for the offense. Defense still has some time to make some plays here, but that's going to be the, the go-ahead touchdown and then we go, and the Bengals do get the ball back, and I'm sitting there, and, and everything about all the playoff games we've watched so far this year, I thought the Bengals were going to come down, kick the field goal, and tie it. They had timeouts left, and I just thought there's just no way. The way this playoffs have gone, I thought Joey B was going to do something, but it just wasn't to be. I mean, they started off great. They got that first, first completion to Chase, and he picked up 17. It looked like uh, Ramsey was trying to make a hero play a little bit, get the pick and dance his way into the end zone. But in that situation, you just got to be thinking, don't let the guy get behind you. Just let him make the five yard catch and tackle him. But he saw, must've saw something and thought he knew it was coming. And, but he just missed that and gave up 17. Uh, then they completed one to Tyler Boyd sets up a third and one. And I didn't love the play call of, of P Ryan uh, trying to get the picking it up on third down. I mean, I guess maybe they had P. Ryan in and they got stuck with him in because of the scenario and the time. And But, I mean, if you're going to try and pick it up, something short like that, you got to think you go to your horse. you got to go to Mixon. Uh, just didn't love the play call together, but they don't get it. And, you know, they still had a chance. They had the fourth and one, but Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald made his way back into that and back into that backfield and said, not today, I'm going to be a Super Bowl champ. Apparently, there's talk that he may retire. Could just be a negotiation ploy. I, w- I would almost think it's that, but 
Aaron Donald gets into the backfield and and gets to Joe Burrow. He doesn't sack him. Burrow gets one off and kind of tosses it towards the feet of P. Ryan. But and that's the game. Aaron Donald pretty much ends it. Comes up big for the Rams, and the Rams are the Super Bowl champs. So just a, a fun game and a fun season. I'm sad it's over. Can't wait for it to come back. And we still got a little bit of Super Bowl talk to talk about. We got uh, we got all the rest of the stuff, everything outside of the game. So let's get on to that. So now all the extra stuff that goes along with the Super Bowl. Let's start right from the beginning. We had a good national anthem, very good national anthem in my opinion, sung by Mickey Guyton. Who is Mickey Guyton? I still don't know. Will I look her up? Absolutely not. But she did a great job singing a great national anthem. The overhit, not what Big Daddy was uh, predicting, so we'll circle back around to that later. Uh, a couple commercials I liked. I liked the Toyota commercial with the Joneses, Tommy Lee Jones, Rashida Jones, there was somebody else, and then Nick Jonas shows up at the end. Thought that was a really good one. Really liked Tommy Lee Jones as the old curmudgeon who doesn't know who Nick Jonas is. So I, I got a kick out of that one. The other one that uh, that I took notice of was, I believe, Teen Mobile. Uh, they used JD and Turk from Scrubs. I didn't really know what the gist of that one was because the roommate kept talking to me during it. She was saying something about JD's hair and she didn't like his hair and he looked old or, or something like that. So... I don't know what it was, really, but I got a kick out of seeing those two really like that show. So, And then kind of the hit of the night was the halftime show. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought Dr. Dre and Snoop absolutely killed it. Killed it. And I don't know if he was. this was advertised that he was going to be there, but 50, 50 Cent hanging upside down like the, like the In The Club video. Love that. But my man, my man got roasted hard online. Twitter was just beating him up about uh, packing on a few pounds over the years. And hey, as a gentleman who's packed on some pounds here and there in his life, I get it, Fitty. I'm not holding it against you. MJ was picking on him, calling the dollar side or something like that. Um, the one thing I saw online was Barstool tweeted, the picture of the gentleman uh, Bazaar, I believe is his name, from the band D12. When D12, the, the, the group with Eminem, made uh, the My Band video, Bazaar is this, this big husky guy, and, and he's trying to do the uh, upside-down crunches that, that Fiddy was doing in the, in the club video, and, and everyone was posted like, man, 50 looks a little different and showing that thing. So poor 50 just got roasted. The only thing I could say I was disappointed with at all was it almost looked like Eminem was lip syncing a little bit. And I guess some people say it's like a backtrack. He just like plays it and then raps over it so that like if he gets off, he can just kind of jump back. I don't know. That was the only thing I thought was disappointing at all. Other than that, I thought it was awesome. I did think it was funny. Somebody was like, yeah, when you see that... Uh, the Super Bowl act, it's like, oh, yeah, this one isn't for old people anymore. It's for us. You got to start taking into account that maybe you're just starting to get old. I know I'm only 30 here, but those uh, those performers date back into the early 90s. So we're starting to creep up there, and that's that's not like there's some young, hip group in there at all. But I thought it was awesome. I loved it. Run it back next year for all I care with those guys. Uh, what else we got going on? Oh, so can someone please check on Eric Garcetti, the mayor of L.A.? 
I know he said he holds his breath every time his mask's off, but man, if that's the case, he, this dude's got to be in trouble. There's no way you can hold your breath that long. I mean, that's dude, every time we see him, he doesn't have a mask on at these big events. So, man, he's either got the best lung capacity of everybody I've ever known, or maybe he's a liar. Um, no surprise. Nobody else had masks on, none of the celebrities. So, nothing, uh, nothing too surprising in that front. Um, my favorite tweet about the Super Bowl that I saw was from a gentleman by the name of Noam, Noam, Noam probably Noam, Scheiber. He says, me to my eight-year-old, who do you want to win, the Bengals or the Rams? Eight-year-old, what's the difference does it make? It's not like the winner is going to solve climate change. Super Bowl weekend in the Scheiber Sullivan household got real heavy quick. Hey, buddy, go fuck yourself. That didn't happen. It never happens. Anytime someone's like, oh, my five-year-old, and they make this fucking profound statement, it didn't happen. And the people who do that, are losers. So please stop that. Nobody believes you. Boomer's pissed too. And ah, I'm, I'm done with that one. Also, uh, McCole Hardman was roasting Eli Apple online, showing him his Super Bowl ring, talking about if he was just a better corner and he wasn't allowing game-winning touchdowns that maybe he'd have one. So, man... Eli Apple got roasted way harder by McCole Hardman from the from the Chiefs than I ever have. So, poor Eli. I, I feel bad for the guy. I just keep piling on. So, I'll stop. I'll stop, Eli. I promise. I won't pick on you at all next year. All right. Let's wrap up the Super Bowl talk with just following up on Daddy's Super Bowl betting picks. Daddy gave us 14 picks last week. Not a great run for him. <laughs> he uh, he went 2-12 and 12 overall. He told me he was going to remove himself from the earth this afternoon as opposed to come on the podcast. So well wishes out there to daddy. Hopefully he's still with us tomorrow morning. So yeah, 2-12. and 12. He had Rams minus 4. That's a loss. He had under 48 and a half. That was a win. He had tails on the coin toss. It was heads. He had under 135 on the anthem. I think I saw that was 139, I believe. 139, 140. Maybe it was even more of that. But it went over either way. He went with yellow Gatorade. I did try and tell him blue Gatorade, but yellow, loss. Mixon over 25 and a half receiving yards, loss. Pirine over 13 and a half receiving yards, loss. Pirine over one and a half catches, loss. He had OBJ over 63.5 receiving yards and over 5.5 receptions. Those both go down as losses. That was an unfortunate one for him. OBJ looked like he was well on his way to uh, to taking both of those out. Cooper Cup over 5.5 receptions. That's his second W of the day. Then he had Mixon under 63.5 rushing yards. Loss. Total field goals made over 3.5. Loss. And then his flyer here, T. Higgins, first TD, OBJ, second TD. That was also a loss. In all fairness to Daddy, I was with him on most of everything. So remember, guys, when you hear about bets from, from this podcast, might not be a bad idea to fade it. Fade the picks is probably the way to go when you start hearing us talk about bets. So that's all for the Super Bowl. 
Also, this week we had the WM Phoenix Open out in Scottsdale, Phoenix area. Fun golf tournament. One of the more enjoyable golf tournaments of the year. They always match it up with Super Bowl, so it always finishes on Super Bowl Sunday. And I, I watched a good amount of this. The roommate was gone on Saturday, so watched pretty much all the coverage Saturday. Watched pretty much all the coverage on Sunday. Caught a little bit of Thursday and Friday as well. For my fantasy golf league this week, I picked uh, Big Tone and Billy Ho, Tony uh, Tony Fanu, and Billy Horschel. Tony Big Tone did not make the cut, so zero money deposited into my fantasy bank account. Billy Horschel had a good run. I believe I got around $287,000 from him. So this is just a fun course. Um, the last four holes make for great TV. Before that, they can get a little boring, but the last four holes, that's as good a stretch as any but anywhere for watchability. I don't know if you want to if you want to get into course architecture and stuff like that. I'm not going to argue with you. Just as holes that are fun to watch, 15, the par 5, 16 obviously, 17's a great par 4, drivable risk reward with the water left, and then 18's a good hole to finish on. So just kind of starting with some things I noticed round 3. Uh, Thigala, Sahith Thigala, the gentleman who was in on a sponsor's exemption, made his way to the top of the leaderboard Thursday, finishes bogey-bogey in that round, then comes back out, gets right back to the top, has a great round. Starts round three, he's in the final group. This is going to be kind of his put-up-or-shut-up moment. Comes out and makes a bad double on two, and I kind of wrote him off. I was like, that's going to be the end of him. But... Turns it around from there out. Shoots four under the rest of the way. Shoots uh, 69. The big news on Saturday, uh, Sam Ryder makes a hole-in-one on 16, and the place went nuts. Beer cans raining down everywhere. They cover the, the kind of surrounds in beer cans. Cans were making it out onto the green. It was like a shower of beer out in the stands. Just really an incredible scene. Poor Brian Harmon playing in the group with him. He had to wait to hit, and then I think he hit it to like 25 feet, and they booed the poor guy. So just a, just an awesome scene. And and one of the really cool things about that was they had Colt Nost and Amanda Balionis down on the 16T kind of doing a, a little thing there. And there were a couple times like Keith Mitchell and Harry Higgs came over and were talking to Colt Nost at, right after they hit shots. I thought that was really cool. I bet you we see that setup kind of come back and they try and lean into that even more. And, and while we're talking about like cool features on golf, golf broadcasts, can we get more player caddy conversations? I think they're so insightful. I think it really helps you get to know kind of what's going on in these guys' heads and how much they're kind of processing before every shot. So I think the more of that we could do, the better. I don't know how interested the players and caddies will be to have a mic shoved in that conversation all the time. But from my selfish perspective as a fan, I hope we get more of it. Saturday was a great day for the golf itself outside of just the atmosphere. And Saturday's always kind of the big day there with Sunday being the same day as Super Bowl Sunday. You get more of the, the rowdiness on Saturday. I think they usually say there's north of 200,000 people there. But really good golf, and you had a great leaderboard. You had Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, Brooks Kepka, Sahith Tagala just being a great story. As I mentioned, sponsor's exemption. And I think that's a great use of the sponsor's exemption. A guy who's kind of up and coming that could really use it. 
I'm glad to see he got it. I'm not going to sit here and complain about the way other tournaments use sponsors' exemptions because you hear people complaining if sponsors' exemptions go to like a guy like Steph Curry. I'm always of the, the notion that the more eyeballs you can get on the, the broadcast, the better. But this is the way I'd love to see it be used most of the time. And he made the most of it and had a great run. So, But, yeah, a lot of great names. And, and a lot of people with some really interesting finishes on Saturday. Uh, Patrick Canley had a little bit of a rough finish. He missed a three-footer on 15 and then hooked one into the water on 17. Xander Shoffley rinsed one on 15. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you had guys like Hideki Matsuyama, who birdies 15, 16, 17, and Max Homa, who birdies four of the last five, and then suddenly never gets seen on the telecast again on Sunday. Just really preposterous to that happen. So, And then speaking of Sunday, we go right back to 16, and Carlos Ortiz, he makes an ace on 16, and the wild scene continues, and you got more beer cans flying down on the green. And I'm going to guess that there may not be as many beer cans sold around the 16 green. They may move to plastic cups going forward, so they can't get chucked so far out there. Also, Harry Higgs had been talking about taking his shirt off He was if he made birdie or something on, on 16. He gave him a good flash with the shirt, and then Joel Damon, who was playing with him, he just peeled the top fully off and, and was helicoptering that around. So really fun to see that happen. PGA Tour seemed to go with it. They retweeted it. So... Hopefully they don't get too, you know, stuffy and old man, get off my lawn about it. I thought it was fun. This tournament's kind of a, a once-a-year kind of a feel to it. So this it, it, it isn't going to get replicated across tour. It's just an organic thing out there, and I'm glad to see people having a good time with it. Back to the golf side. Kepka had a rough go of it out front. You kind of thought this was something that set up for him to really – kind of get out in the lead i mean he's, he's a good player he's got a quality and a track record to him he likes this course he's a he's a two-time winner there and he just really had a rough go of it out front ended up turning around played the last eight and four under to kind of stay in it and and keep himself around if, if he could just get a lucky break and make one more birdie or somebody else fell back to him but it was it was a great leaderboard my guy billy horschel got off to a great start on sunday shot 31 out front and then just couldn't kind of put all the opportunities together on the backside. He knocked it on 15-2 and two and then ends up three-putting for par. Didn't make birdie at 16. Made birdie at 17, but just wasn't quite enough. So my guy Billy Horsley was almost right there. So like it's been happening to me since we switched to two golfers in this fantasy league, I pick one pretty solid pick, and then my other guy misses the cut, and I have no chance to make up any ground. Now we talk about the guys who kind of were right in it. Obviously, he had Sahith, but Patrick Cantlay was right there all day. He's a good player. You know my stance on him. I got to figure out which major I think he's going to win, but I think he's going to win one. He had a putt jump up about six inches on him on the 16th hole, and you just hope that wasn't like an indentation that he missed when all those beer cans were raining down. I think that's the only negative from the scene on 16, and like I said, he just throw some plastic cups in there, and then even if they do make it all the way out to the green, I don't think they'll do any damage. So you just hope that wasn't it. But he hit an incredible shot on 18 from the fairway bunker. I believed about 10 feet, which would have given him the win had he made it, but just wasn't able to make it. And Scotty Scheffler, your eventual winner, was the guy who made the cut by one shot. He was three under after 36 holes. The cut was two under. And he went wild on Saturday, shot 62. And then on Sunday, shoots a back nine 32. 
And, and this is an original thought. I'm going to steal this from I listened to the No Laying Up podcast this morning. And he was kind of sneaking around and you kind of forgot about him. You're like, oh, yeah, he's like right there. And like every time he showed up on screen, you'd be like, oh, I kind of forgot he was in this. But he actually had an eight footer on 18 for the win, too. And he just kind of hit one a little firm and hit it right through the break. And he left himself a good two and a half, three feet coming back. So I'm sure he is a little bit of a knee knocker on the way back, too. Um, and Thigala, Figala, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but he was right there all day. And the guys he's staring down are the class of, like, the U.S. Ryder Cup. I mean, they're the they're the dudes on the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Kepka. Like, those guys are dudes. And he was right there with them. Right up until 17, he hit a strong hybrid, I believe they said, on the telecast. And he hit a cut, too. He was kind of peeling the cut in there. It looked like a great shot. And it just took a bad bounce on the ground and bounced left and then just got cooking towards that water. And you just really feel bad for the dude. I mean, I loved what he was doing. He wasn't taking his foot off the gas. He was keeping the pressure on. He was going for it. He wasn't laying up and trying to be safe. He was just, he was pedal to the metal and just got a really bad break. But I love that he stayed aggressive. And his big mistake there was that he wasn't able to get it up and down. If he would have just gotten it up and down, he would have been tied at 16 and gotten into that playoff with the, the par he made on 18, which was a very good up and down after peeling it right off the tee. Left himself way short, then got that up and down. That's going to go a long way for him to helping keep his tour card, not keep his tour card, earning his tour card. So big, big up and down there. And then, you know, they caught him with his family afterwards. Obviously very emotional. Just a, just a hell of a week for the guy. It just shows that it really mattered to him. And, you know, I think after a few years on tour, you can kind of get, I don't know if jaded is the right word, but you get used to the ups and the downs and, it was just cool to see that it really mattered to him. And, you know, the guy's got a fan in me. I hope he continues to play well, earns his card, and is on tour for, for many, many years to come. We ended up going to a playoff, and thank God I had two TVs in the setup because because we went to three holes in this playoff after trading some pars on the, the first two go-arounds of 18. We were running up against the Super Bowl, so we had to have both TVs going. And uh, Scotty Scheffler ends up making a bomb. I think it was 32 or so feet, something like that, I believe. For his first PGA Tour win, kind of crazy that's his first win, but I don't imagine it'll be his last. So, Scotty Scheffler, your winner in Phoenix. Flyers update time, and we're going to touch on a little Olympic hockey here too, but let's start with the Flyers. Flyers are back, baby. After a couple of wins, back to reality. It was fun while it lasted, but... Flyers are back to losing. Back-to-back -back losses this week to the Red Wings. 6-3 uh, loss on Tuesday. A lot of goals scored, scored early in that one. It was 2-2 after the first period. And then a 4-2 loss on Saturday to the Red Wings. So not much more to be said there. Just typical Flyers just losing games and doing it in excruciating ways. And, you know, they make you think they're going to be competitive for just a little bit. And then just turns out that, no, they were pretty competitive Saturday. But just... It's it's tough, not going to lie. It's tough, but we're there. We're going to keep chugging. Um, on to a team that's been doing a little winning. The United States of America men's hockey team have been winning over in Beijing. They win Group A. They've done that by beating China 8-0 on Thursday. They beat Canada in a little bit of an upset there, just a little bit of an underdog there. They beat them 4-2 on Friday. And then on Sunday morning, they, they pulled out a 3-2 win over Germany. They got up early and kind of held on to that. 
So they will advance to the quarterfinal where they will play the winner of Slovakia and Germany. They play tonight, I believe. And then we will play the winner of those two teams on Tuesday. So looking forward to see if the uh, the USA hockey team can keep it rolling, keep the wins going, and uh, three more wins for a gold medal. So hopefully we can we can bring the gold home for the U.S. hockey team. So that's our that's our hockey update for this week. To the fight game. We had a couple of fights this weekend. We're going to start with the UFC. We had UFC 271. The headlining event of that was Israel Adesanya defending his middleweight championship against Robert Whitaker in a rematch of a, a fight that's previously happened that Adesanya won. I did not watch this. I'm just kind of following up on the recaps and reading and, and kind of seeing what everybody else has said. Seems like it was a close fight. Adesanya was able to get the decision over Whitaker. A little bit of question about the judging. By the sounds of it, Robert Whitaker pretty much on everybody's scorecards won the fourth and fifth round. And it comes down to if he did enough to win the second. Most people feel he just quite didn't do enough to take the title off Adesanya. So Adesanya remains unbeaten at middleweight. His only loss in the UFC is when he jumped up to light heavyweight and uh, just couldn't get it done up there. He basically jumped up without gaining any extra weight and was just going up for a one a one time fight with uh with Jan Blokovic. Hope I didn't uh, butcher that too bad, but yeah. So he he retains his title um, on the undercard. Jared Canier and Derek Brunson fought and. Uh, Kanier, again, I'm probably butchering this one. Kanier beat Brunson with a TKO in round two. So kind of all, all roads lead. That, that was a, a little bit of a an eliminator match to see who was going to be next in line for the title. And also on the undercard, Tui Vosa, Mr. Shuey himself, knocks out Derek, my balls is hot, Lewis, in the second round with a big elbow right to the jaw. And then, you know, Shuey's for everybody on the way back up the aisle. So it sounds like a decent night in the UFC. I didn't get that one. Uh, the next UFC pay-per-view is a good one. We got Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. I will be 100% tuning in for that one. I like both those guys, and that should be an all-action fight. And the shit talk leading up to it should be awesome. So on the other side of the pond, we had a boxing match. We had Daniel Jacobs, the former middleweight champion, was facing John Ryder. Both of these guys kind of had a crossroads in their careers now fighting at super middleweight, 168 pounds. John Ryder ends up winning by split decision, 115-113 twice, and then 115-113 for Jacobs. I also had it 115-113 for Jacobs. I don't think this is in any way, shape, or form a robbery of any sorts. When you, when you go to foreign soil, you got to kind of be convincing to, to, to beat the home team guy. And... Jacobs looked good early, but kind of faded late, and Ryder really came on strong late, started making it a dirty fight in like the sixth or seventh round, and, and kind of made it the fight he wanted to fight, not the fight Jacobs wanted, and credit to him, he went out and kind of got it. Again, I thought Jacobs won, but I'm not really going to complain too much. I, I didn't see anything. There were no scorecards that were really out of whack. It was a couple rounds here or there both ways, and there were a lot of close rounds that I could have seen go either way. Also in the boxing world, there are now reports coming out that Canelo Alvarez is nearing a two-fight deal with Eddie Hearn of Matchroom Boxing and DAZN, that he will fight Dimitri Bivol in May. That'll probably be on Cinco de Mayo weekend if this deal comes to fruition. He'll be fighting for Bivol's light heavyweight title, 175-pound title. And then if he wins, 
He would go on to fight Triple G, Gennady Golovkin in September. Back at 168 pounds, that would have Triple G moving up from middleweight up to 168 to close their great trilogy that they've had. Triple G would need to beat Ryota Murata. They were supposed to fight in January, but that's gotten pushed back because of COVID restrictions over in Japan. They're hoping to fight in April, I believe, was the last I saw. So if that happens, that would close out their trilogy fight. Uh, I think those are two good fights for Canelo. I really like to see the Triple G fight. I know it's probably two, maybe two years too late, maybe three years too late, but Triple G a hundred percent beat him in that first fight. There's no doubt in my mind, and the fix was just a hundred percent in to get Canelo in. And there's just no doubt in my mind that that's what happened. Because if you, I've watched that fight ten times, and every time I scored, I scored about the same way, about one sixteen, one twelve for Triple G. So. While I think Triple G's probably over the hill and Canelo's really in his prime right now, and I think it ends probably pretty badly for Triple G, I'm still interested to see it. There are reports that that's not as close to the finish line as Mike Coppinger from ESPN says. Canelo Alvarez's trainer, Eddie Reynoso, has come out and kind of said, hey, we're still considering things. The other fight they were considering was Jamal Charlo, the one of the 160-pound titleists coming up to face him at 168. He was just caught in some aggravated assault felony battery charges, I believe. So that probably puts him in a rough spot to get it. So we'll see where it goes. Any of those three fights, I'd be happy to see happen. So we'll just have to see what comes of that. And hopefully we'll know that relatively soon. If he wants to fight on in May uh, on Cinco de Mayo weekend, they're going to want to get everything finalized so they can get into camp for that. So looking forward to seeing how that all shakes out. All right, on to the world. Famous passing thoughts. Saw a couple reports, and the one that really made me believe it the most was Ian Rappaport reporting. It looks like the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers is getting better and better, and all signs are pointing towards him coming back to the Packers. Again, I don't want to get my hopes up too much, but more and more it comes out that it looks like Rodgers going back to the Packers has a little bit higher chance every time I read something about it. Rodgers also was named the MVP of the league this past week. A little surprised they ended up, all the writers ended up voting for him, but I thought he was for sure the MVP. Also found this out, listening to the No Laying Up podcast. Apparently, uh, golf ball goes further in humidity versus dry weather when all other aspects are the same. So... That was new. I've always kind of thought it was the contrary. So you learn something new every day. The Boston mayor did a live stream where she was like accepting questions from, you know, through the internet. And I don't think it really went how she thought it was going to go. A lot of people complaining about COVID mandates and calling her a fascist and stuff. And she was quite shocked to see that uh, all the questions were very hostile to her. So watching that and seeing her face while that was all going down was pretty funny. Um, Adidas, they tweeted out just a picture of tits. I was just scrolling through and somebody retweeted that Adidas just put out a picture of like 16 tits and talking about something with their sports bras. But yeah, so, I mean, Adidas's new strategy is we're just going to tweet out tits. Heard the song 1985 by Bowling for Soup this past week. And I just kind of got to think, I'm like, man, this song's been out for a while now. It came out in 2004. So for an equivalent song today, it would have to be about the year 2003. 
So I, you know, every once in a while, I just get things that remind me that I'm getting older and it's happening fast. So yeah, that made me feel old. Uh, another NFL kind of note here. They're going to hold a game in Munich, Germany in 2023. So it seems like all, all, all ahead for NFL holding more games in Europe and internationally in Mexico. So they're going to keep expanding and keep going to new places as long as new places keep asking for them. So 2023, NFL in Munich. Uh, I watched a little college basketball this week. I saw the first half of the Illinois-Purdue game. After that, I fell asleep. But it was a fun game to watch. Both teams were playing an up-tempo pace. It was a fun game. Very highly skilled teams. If those two teams are on again and I'm kind of flipping through the channels with nothing else to watch, I'll definitely kind of check them out. Also last week, I think this was on Tuesday, uh, Arkansas upset number one Auburn. It looked like an incredible atmosphere, and I hope I'm not mixing this up, but I think somebody from Auburn was, like, dancing on the Arkansas logo at the middle of center court. That never works out well. I don't know why people do that. It's just, if you win, that you, you got to say you danced on before you win, but if you didn't, it's just like it fires the other team up. So... What am I watching right now? We just, uh, we've gone through two of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. And I'm not as high on Casino Royale as I think everybody else is. It's a fine movie. I mean, the first hour is like a chasing compilation. It's like they watched Rocky IV and were like, how do we make as many compilations as that? And they're like, we'll just do it with chase scenes for an hour straight. I mean, okay, it's all right. But when they go to the casino and that, that portion gets going, it's a pretty good movie from there. It's like 35 minutes too long. I think it's like two and a half hours. At two hours would have been plenty. I thought Quantum of Solace was just about as good. Not quite as good, but I feel like that one gets kind of crapped on a little bit, and I don't think it's that justified. I don't think Casino Royale is that much better. So we have... Uh, Skyfall coming up next. I don't know. We'll probably watch that sometime this week. So uh, the other thing I noticed watching these, these movies came out just a little bit after Jason Bourne, the Bourne identity. And you can tell that they're very heavily influenced by that style of like secret agent, very physical, lots of running, rooftops, things like that. So just my thoughts there. Casino Royale, not as good as everyone makes it out to be. Quantum of Solace, not as bad. Also, I'm still finishing up Cobra Kai. Should be done with that very shortly. Again, really enjoyed that show. If you liked the, <clears throat> the Karate Kid movies at all, I think it's nice that it kind of keeps the same, same feel to it, but kind of updates it as we've kind of grown up from kids watching the Karate Kid movies to adults now. J the Jack Reacher series, I'm going to give that a try next. And see where that goes. See if I like it or not. Again, love the books. We'll see how the, the TV show goes. Also, we watched Ocean's Eleven the other night, or most of it. The roommate did not like Ocean's Eleven. I was a little hurt deep inside. One of my favorite movies of all time. So shame to the roommate for not liking that. And last thing here. Chorizo is severely underrated. We made some chorizo loaded nachos for the Super Bowl. And my gosh, were those things delicious. So chorizo, very underrated. Goes great with breakfast as well. If you have a chance, get yourself some chorizo. You won't be disappointed. Okay, everybody. 
closing time. Thank you once again for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I am. I've just had a blast, as I've said, over and over again. So thank you so much. Thanks for coming along this ride with me. Mentioned before, the shirts are done. They should be in this week or next. I will get them out to you. If you haven't paid already, please do that. Also, please send me where you would like me to send your shirts to so I can get them out to you as quick as possible. Guys, football is done for the year, but Old Walls House is not. We will be back next week. We have the Genesis Invitational to cover. Probably be some, some college basketball to talk about. There'll be some hockey to talk about. Talk about. And also, I'm going to give you a way, way too early NFL prediction for next year, and there'll be more that comes up. So again, everybody, thank you very much. Hopefully we see you next week. This has been Old Walls House. Peace.